0: Welcome back to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Ty Jackson, and today, 76 Capital's managing partner, Wayne Kimmel, speaks with the president and CEO of US Integrity, Matthew Holt. US Integrity is America's leading independent sports betting integrity monitor, and the pair discuss everything about sports betting and the importance of integrity, with 32 states having already legalized sports betting and many more to come. Hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: U.S. Integrity is a technology and data-driven analytics company monitoring for match-fixing, game manipulation, and other unethical or illegal betting-related irregularities. U.S. Integrity's mission is to help grow the legal, regulated sports betting market by providing solutions that ensure sports betting integrity in every play, every game, and every sport. Welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, and I'm your host and managing partner of 76 Capital, the Sports Tech Venture Capital Fund. On this show, I interview top sports entrepreneurs, athletes, and executives who are many times shaping and, of course, changing the overall sports landscape. I want to give a quick shout-out to Ty back at the station and Vince, who's doing all of his magic on the audio and video side, Keep making it happen, guys. You can follow me at Wayne Kimmel on all sorts of social media networks, as well as please follow 76 Capital and subscribe to our leadership series on YouTube, as well as on all your favorite podcast networks. So remember, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a company, in that you're doing something within the sports industry, whether it's around sports betting or esports or sports tech, reach out to us at 76 Capital. We would love to talk with you and see if there are ways that we can help each other. Now, let's get to it. We have a special guest today. We have Matthew Holt, the president and CEO of U.S. Integrity, and I am so excited to have him on our show. Matt, welcome to our 76 Capital Leadership Series.
0: Thanks, Wayne. Uh, it's an honor to be a part of this series. I, I watch every single one of them. I think they're amazing. The people that are on it are amazing, and uh, I, and I learn something new every time. You know, you think this industry is so close knit, and for a long time it was, but what we've seen since the repeal of PASPA is that the industry is expanding massively, and the horizons are now endless. And I always enjoy listening to new people, meeting new people, and seeing what's next on the horizon.
1: Well, Matt, you know, that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk with you about. I mean, as president and CEO of U.S. Integrity, a sports betting integrity company, and really one of the leaders across the whole sports betting industry for for a long time now, as you said, there is this interesting dynamic that's occurred since PASPA was overturned on May 14th of 2018. The sports teams, the leagues, the sports executives – the colleges and universities that have never, ever been in the conversation around sports betting and or couldn't even talk about it or God forbid, even walked into a sports book. Now it's part of their daily life and almost part of their almost everything that happens in their business today.
0: And we're seeing it all over the country. I mean, you talked about universities suddenly participating. We've seen it out west here at the University of Colorado. We recently saw one last week with LSU signing their big, you know, official sports betting partnership. And uh, it's just going to continue to grow and grow. And it's unbelievable. And look, what I think what a lot of people have learned is if done responsibly, Sports betting can be the ultimate engagement tool for leagues, teams, conferences, stadiums, arenas, but it has to be done responsibly. And that takes cooperating with the right integrity partners, the right operators, the right regulators. But when done responsibly, we see the results. People that bet on games are 10 times more likely to watch that game. And if they watch the game, they're more likely to buy merchandise, attend the game, become a fan. Sports betting, when done responsibly, is the ultimate fan engagement tool. We use the word responsibly, and I think that's one of the important things. And
1: this is, as we're taping this show, this sh- it is the American Gaming Association's week of responsible gaming. Right? They have a have a game plan initiative and campaign that we're so proud at 76 Capital be, to be the first investment company that partnered with them on that. And all of the big players across the country um, have. Have, are also part of it, whether it's the operators or whether whether it's professional teams and leagues. Talk about responsible gaming and how, how and, you, and how important that is to the the growth of this industry.
0: Oh, it's so important. I mean, we've seen other you know other countries have sort of laid the path for regulated sports betting in the past and what we've seen in Europe especially the UK now is responsible gaming has become a big issue and it goes to all segments of you know integrity in sport integrity amongst the operators but also you know the advertising the marketing making sure we're not targeting kids that are too young or people that aren't even able to wager age verification KYC the right anti money laundering the right processes and procedures self identification so that people who have problems with gambling can identify themselves and exclude themselves or at least limit themselves to the amount they can wager. And There's so many things that go in it. We're so happy to be part of the epicenter of it. I love this industry. I've literally spent every single day of my post-collegiate career in regulated sports betting, and I absolutely love this industry. And nothing makes me happier or warms my heart more to see that all the operators and the regulators and the leagues and teams and conferences and universities all seem to have bought in and are coming together and are actually trying to do this the right way in the U.S.
1: Well, Matt, that's something that I, I'd love to to expand upon. I mean, you look back prior to PASPA, it was there's no way the teams and the leagues and the universities would even have anything to do with, you know, executives like you in the in the sports gaming industry. How has that all
0: changed since post PASPA? Being well, it start, Yeah, and it starts with regulation. At the end of the day, it's a it's a sort of a fiscal financial responsibility for them to take advantage of, you know, financial opportunities, no different than alcohol twenty years ago at the university level or team level. Hey, can we actually have a Budweiser sign in the stadium? And they realized that if they did it the right way, that it could actually work out really well. And that's what's happened with sports betting. The problem prior to the repeal of PASPA. Is you had people like the AGA who do such a wonderful job putting out metrics like there's 300 billion dollars wagered, le- wagered in the United States, yet the only legal market in the United States, Nevada, was doing five billion. So five billion of the 300 billion was being wagered legally. The west, the rest was being wagered illegally, and you can't push people to participate in illegal or illicit activity suddenly. And I think the reason that the leagues have embraced it so quickly is that the states have opened at a rate that has far exceeded anyone's expectations. Just two weeks ago on uh, Thursday alone, we had three states open on the exact same day. South Dakota, Arizona and Washington State. I'm not sure who planned that all three on the same day. But I mean, it's just crazy. The rapid pace. I mean, we just sent in three more licenses today with Louisiana, Connecticut and Ontario and Canada. The rate in which these states and jurisdictions and not just states anymore, as Canada opens, we have to talk about the jurisdictions there. It's not long before we're in Mexico. Puerto Rico is opening now. I mean, this is becoming an entire sort of. You know, western hemisphere thing where in north america and south america are all getting together now to have this big giant regulated ecosystem and i think that's what's enabled the leagues the teams the universities to be able to participate is that these regulators are putting in the right framework. The operators are cooperating and trying to do it responsibly. And when you do that, the door opens for now the leagues, teams, universities to all come in and participate in a responsible manner.
1: So how, how can and how will and, and how are the teams and leagues and universities today participating? Um, what, what are some of the things that you're
0: seeing and some of the things that you think that they will do in the future? I think there's sort of three to five layers of participation. The first one is corporate partnerships. How do we now receive revenue dollars for advertising, marketing, you know, um, sort of our uh, inventory of different types of both online and in-person advertising that we can do with these corporate partners? That's where it starts. That's an easy one. That's kind of dipping your toe in the water. The second one is betting data. And we've seen the professional leagues do a really good job of monetizing the data, maybe monetizing it beyond anybody's expectations when you look at some of the recent deals that have been signed in terms of betting data. But in the college ranks, that was completely unheard of before. They never thought about taking our data, selling it for two companies who are then going to redistribute it for betting purposes. That's happening now, the betting data solution. Then the third step to me is in stadium, in arena, embracing actual sports betting in your arena. And I don't mean letting people bet on their phones because you can't control that anyway. I mean, kiosks in the arena, sports books in the arena. We see it in Washington, D.C., where one sports book for the monumental sports group, one book outdoes the entire Washington, D.C. lottery 5X. And they've built an amazing facility there. And it's an attraction for the team. It's an added attraction. It's a beautiful book. People go in there just to see the book. And now you've brought someone into your venue. And anybody who runs a venue will tell you the most important thing is get people into the venue. And then once you get them in, you can show them the best customer experience possible. But step one is getting them in the door. I don't think we're far off from seeing kiosks and potential betting stations across every major arena and stadium in the country. And then the fourth step in it, which we're just starting to see, and I can't wait to see how it works out, is actual leagues and teams participating as an operator of a sports book. And Arizona is going to give us our first opportunity to actually see that as the folks that run the Arizona Coyotes. You know, they received a sports betting license, but unlike the rest of the teams in Arizona who just, you know, sort of leased out that license to somebody else to run the actual sports book operations, the Phoenix Coyote said, you know what, we're going to take this license and actually try to run it ourselves. And if successful, open Phoenix Coyote sportsbooks in other states as well. Now that's a way to grab new fans, grab new, uh, you know, fan engagement because you're betting in Michigan on a Phoenix Coyote uh, betting app. So, I mean, I just think there's like three to five really easy layers for leagues, teams, universities to get involved. And we're seeing them hit every single one of those already, which is amazing, which far exceeds the pace in which anybody thought. That we'd see leagues and teams participating. I mean, it's only 2021 still. We're only three years removed from the repeal of PASPA, and we're already seeing a professional sports team in the big four sports, literally operating a sports book in the United States. Matt,
1: it's incredible. And as you said, 32 states have legalized sports betting across the country. You know, and, and what's interesting is is in now, and you said 26 plus dc are operational in those states right 14 there are 14 nfl teams that are in those states and only 14 right of the 32 teams 12 nba teams are in those states right now so we're as you said really getting going but at, it's there's still a lot to go and a lot to happen now one of the things that happened today was the announcement of the washington capitals and they're putting a Caesars Sportsbook logo um, logo on their jersey. It'll be on their jerseys, on their sweaters of their of their of their teams. I mean, can you believe that's happening?
0: I think it's. I actually thought some of that stuff would happen prior to sports books. I mean, teams actually running a sports book or teams actually having a sports book in venue, but it's been the reverse. I mean, the monumental guys have had that book open in D.C. for well over a year now, yet we're just starting to see the actual advertising now on the jerseys themselves. But think about it. We never saw advertising on jer- jerseys, period, whether it was Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Amazon, whatever. There wasn't any advertising. So the first advertising ever on jerseys in the United States is going to be regulated sports books. Unbelievable. Well, we're excited to have you on our show. It's it's at
1: Matthew Holt. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter. He's a great follow again at Matthew Holt. Matthew is the CEO and president of US integrity. And Matt, you know, let's we we got so excited, we dove right in here on all the things that are happening with around the and around the industry. But why don't you share with our audience on our seventy six capital leadership series, you know, what US integrity does and the and the role that it plays in this regulated sports betting industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So US integrity sort of sits at the epicenter of what we call the big 3 barrels, regulators, operators and then leagues, teams and and collegiate participants and and essentially, we pull in real-time data from all of them, whether it's betting data, real-time odds data, real-time event data, scores, stats, officiating data, uh, any type of data coming in from the regulators in terms of information they receive, aggregate all that data parse it out into meaningful ways, monitor it for any abnormalities, and then redistribute reports back to those same stakeholders on a customizable dashboard so that in real time, we're able to identify any abnormal wagering, abnormal event activity, and that the operators, the leagues, the regulators, they're all working together to make sure that they're preventing match fixing potential misuse of inside information, that they're sharing information together. It's because of the cooperation and the and the work that we've all done together in the middle that sports betting has been able to expand at such a rapid rate. The reason you don't see match-fixing scandals all the time is we can catch them ahead of time. We can void bets. We can have these gaming commissions look into these people Before it breaks on TMZ or on one of these sites, we're ahead of the curve. Our system's going to be the first level of defense and identifying the abnormalities. And then we could take these flags and reports and alerts and send them out to regulators and operators who can just, you know, discontinue the betting and investigate who's placing the wagers all in real time. And because that cooperation has been so effective so far, now sports betting is able to expand at such a rapid rate. And we're seeing. Such extreme buy-in from all the different stakeholders.
1: Well, you know that, that that that's great, and I guess I should say, you know, to our audience that, you know, seventy-six Capital is an investor uh, in U.S. Integrity, and thanks to our, our mutual good friend Brian Musburger in, in introducing the two of us, um, that was that was great, you know, several years ago, and and it's been amazing watching the growth that. Of U.S. Integrity and what you and Scott have done with your whole team, um, it's it's been it's been great to see and watch the growth of U.S. Integrity as the the industry itself has grown. I mean, as you kind of look back to starting the business as this entrepreneur that had been in the gaming industry for, as you said, since your your colleague, you know, you graduated from college, right? And then it was like, wow, I'm, I'm in this world. Um, is, is what's what's kind of surprised you in in, in in the growing, in the building and growing of, of U.S. Integrity?
0: So, look, I mean, the way we started U.S. Integrity is, you know, uh, while I was C- SVP of BizDev at Candor Gaming, I was also the chief operating officer of their sister company, a licensed information service provider called CG Analytics, where we worked with many of the leagues on some fairly rudimentary game integrity and fraud prevention services. But in late 2017, there were states like New Jersey that already had integrity mandates in place, yet there weren't any integrity companies. Basically, PASPA hit, and it was a gold rush. The gold rush was on. But what did everybody wanted to do? They either wanted to make bets, take bets, build a platform, or be an affiliate marketer or a content delivery mechanism. There were like five big buckets, and everyone was trying to jump in to get their share of the pie in those buckets. But what do you do in a gold rush? You sell picks and shovels. The picks and shovels were businesses that were already mandated by the states that you contract with an independent third-party integrity provider. There wasn't one. We jumped in and filled that void. And once we establish those relationships with all the different stakeholders, regulators, operators, leagues, teams, universities, we said, now that we've established these relationships, let's go out and build the best products and services that any of them have ever seen. Let's give them the best customer services. Let's truly be their partners in every step of the way. And fortunately, because we had the early mover advantage and we didn't really have any competition early, we were able to focus on digging our moat, you know, kind of, you know, building our little space and making sure that those relationships were developed and that we were actually building things that our clients wanted. So I think that's what surprised me early on, is in most of the time when you have multi-billion dollar regulated markets. There are huge just waves of competitors in every single aspect of the space. And in sports betting, we didn't see that. Everybody went right away went to all the sexy verticals. How do I build a platform or build media content? But at the end of the day, there's so much compliance and regulation and administrative things that go into making this cog keep turning um, that I'm surprised we didn't see as many folks trying to take advantage of the services side. We're happy about the first mover advantage we got. We have wonderful partners like you and the folks at 76 Capital. And we and we really focus on building the best tech, delivering the best customer service to all our clients.
1: Well, Matt, I mean, on that note, I mean, I think, you know, one of the reasons why you were able to have that perspective is is your experience in the industry. And, you know, one of the things that that I talk about a lot with with my partner Chad and my other partner, John, about, you know, why we spend so much time in Las Vegas, um, learning from individuals like you and other um, bookmakers who have been doing this for many, many years, and really understanding the that this is a serious, regulated industry. This is not just a fly by night. Start a company and you can start taking bets. You got to really know what you're doing. You got to understand the rules and regulations, and and realize that you know this is you're you're getting you're getting into an industry that will you'll have a lot of eyes on you and and you can't you know you just can't do crazy things right i mean i think that's a something that is is um is, has been really interesting i mean from your perspective i mean how have you seen the you know we look at the growth now i mean nevada was as you said this 5 billion dollar industry it was the middle and the center of the universe and then boom here goes the rest of the country and we're probably going to have states you know, probably this this month here in, in September, we'll have over a billion dollars in handle in just one month, just during this this first uh, month of the of the football season. I mean, can you believe what's happening?
0: No, it's unbelievable. I mean, we had a, a singular sportsbook launch in the state of Washington. It's the first sportsbook to launch in the state of Washington, the Snoqualmie Tribe. Uh, you know, 13 days ago, and I think they average over a thousand bets a day already. I mean, just one little tribe in the state of Washington just getting going with no mobile, retail only, averaging over a 1,000 bets per day. It's just unbelievable when you look at the whole ecosystem and how the United States, how people from all backgrounds, cultures, you know, ways of life have gravitated to sports betting at some level, whether it's $5 or $500 a bet the fun and uh, sort of joy people get from it, or at least intrigue and in participating in it, it has been unbelievable. And what I would say for young entrepreneurs out there, because this, you know, this industry is growing so rapidly, is A, try to find two things. Number one, something you're really passionate about, because you're always going to be better at something if you're passionate about it. But number two, in any immature industry, and let's face it, Let's just say regulated sports betting in the U.S. is three years old because it's different from how it was in Nevada, where I spent most of my career. That means it's an immature industry. And like any immature industry, there's going to be problems that need to be solved. If you can help the industry solve a problem, boy, that's a heck of a way to get a start in the industry rather than just saying, well, I want to go out there and build a sports book and compete with FanDuel. That's really hard. DraftKings and MGM and Caesars, they're really good at what they do. They spend a ton of money, but there's so many gaps and problems still in the industry that people can solve from a technology perspective or an infrastructure perspective. And if you can identify those problems and find a way to solve them, boy, there's some real opportunities to be very successful.
1: U.S. integrity is completely conflict free in that it does not offer or generate wagering lines and thus can be trusted with sensitive and confidential information. U.S. Integrity has access to account-level wagering data from some of its sportsbook partners, allowing it to more accurately analyze betting trends and create better anomaly detection tools. Well, Matt, you know, you just said there's some interesting holes and gaps and things out there that entrepreneurs can go after. You know, maybe you can go a little deeper, and then and maybe we'll share with some of the entrepreneurs, what are some of those things that you're seeing that potentially um, could be big opportunities for, for people?
0: So here is a big opportunity that I think we're just finally now, just literally just like in the last couple of weeks, starting to see solved was the actual in-play wagering experience. So for so many years, there was all these latency issues. You know, you'd be watching a game and you'd watch the odds change on your phone. And those odds changes would literally dictate what was about to happen in the game. And then you'd go to make a bet and it would get, you know, his, the odds change and the odds change. and You couldn't get a bet in in-play betting in the United States was one of the poorest customer experiences that there was for years. And everybody talked about the massive growth potential in in in-play wagering, how big it was going to be, how many people were going to do it, the percentage of bets in Europe and Asia that are placed on in-play compared to the U.S. market, which made it maybe the biggest opportunity. But nobody could really seem to solve all the problems, the latency issue, the poor customer experience. And what we're finally starting to see now is, products that sync up with the actual product that the the user is viewing, offering more markets in real time, um, and for a long time, and maybe to some degree, that's still an opportunity because these products haven't matured yet. But that was one of the biggest issues in U.S. sports betting for a long time is the products and the actual user experience didn't match the expectations of what everyone was talking about. The idea of being able to bet, will the next play be a run or pass, or will the next pitch be a ball or a strike, or can I just bet on my favorite team as I'm watching it? Because I can't, because the the latency issues means the actual game is so far ahead of me that the odds are constantly changing. It's hard to get – they're finally starting to solve that now. I think that's amazing. I think there's we're seeing a convergence of tech where, hey, if you're Fanduel or DraftKings, do you really want to pay nine different people for nine different compliance services? Whether it's geolocation, anti-money laundering, KYC, internal controls, we're starting uh, you know automated licensing. We're starting to see that convergence now and consolidation of, hey, you know, through technical capabilities, we can build platforms that allow you to do a variety of different services. And at the end of the day, I think some of the gaps that still need to be solved. And if I was a young entrepreneur now and someone said, hey, Matt, I'm going to buy U.S. Integrity for $10 billion. I like that. Go out, yeah. <laughs> go out and build the next one. What do you want to focus on? I think I would focus on payment processing because the ability to get money in and out of wagering accounts in the United States is really problematic. It's hard. You can't use all the same simple Venmo, PayPal, all the different ways that you get money in and out of all these other things in your life. You can't do that in sports betting. So it becomes a bad user experience. A guy makes a bet. He wants to get a little cash out. He has to send in a request for a check. It takes two and a half, three weeks. And there's, Or I can't use all the standard forms I'm used to using that I use in my friends or for other things, for shopping. Um, I think that's a big gap and a big opportunity. And if somebody makes a really easy user-friendly payment processing system, that could be a huge advantage. And I think the sportsbooks would be very interested in having that. Wow, that's a that's a that's amazing. I mean,
1: it's just just thinking, you know, how much we have actually, how much, how far we've come, right? Just in, in a couple of years, but where we can actually really go is is amazing. I mean, so take us back, Matt, you know, to your experience when you were, you know, at CG Technologies and, and cancer gaming, and you know, in, in that in that world, where, um, what it was like, you know, being behind the book. When Vegas and it was really in Las, you know, and, and Nevada was really the only place you could bet on on sports. What was that experience like then, as compared to now, when you can bet on your phone wherever you are? And you guys at, at Cancer were one of the first to do the bring mobile to yeah. to the industry as well. So, love to hear your thoughts all around this.
0: So I've been fortunate in that I feel like I had the perfect path in sports betting. I actually started at a company called Don Best, which was an odds aggregation service at the time, and we pulled in odds from everybody. So at first, I understood the the importance of having information, seeing what all your colleagues have, what the offshore markets have, and real-time information in terms of who's in and who's out and who might be playing and and how valuable it was to bettors and sports books. And then from there I went to Canner Gaming and I had an amazing mentor in Leah Matis, who, you know, was sort of a business mentor to me and, and opened my eyes to so many bigger things, like launching the first mobile sports betting app in, in the United States in Nevada. And I remember folks from the Nevada Gaming Control Board coming down to the M Casino when Lee was going to launch that first regulated mobile sports betting app. and, and they said, hey, you know, Mr. Amatus, I have to put a number in here. What should I put a million dollars or and he said, what are you crazy? We're gonna do a hundred million dollars this year and and they were chuckling and they said, I'll tell you what, I'll put 10 million down as expected revenue. We did 450 million dollars year one, total handle on a betting app in one property. So meaning you had to go to that property to make a deposit. You had to go to that property to make a withdrawal, $450 million worth of wagers. It completely revolutionized the industry, because two years later, everybody in Nevada had a mobile sports betting app. But we're not talking 1995, we're talking 2010. Just 12 years ago, there were no sports betting apps that existed in the United States. Every single bet was made in person using cash um, just 12 years ago.
1: So, see, that's a really important point. I I want to stop you for a second, Matt. I mean, using cash, right? Using cash. Even in Nevada today, maybe you can share with everyone how it works for you to actually. Use the the mobile apps, which have obviously gotten so much better, right? But at the same time, how do you deposit? How does it all work? Depositing money and putting money on your into your app and signing up, how that process works in Nevada and and some other states? It's not just like you put your credit card and you can just bet.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about how outdated Nevada's rules are. Well, by the way, three years ago, this was the only rules that existed in the U.S., so it's it's not a decade outdated. But as of just three, I mean, even still in Nevada, you have to physically walk into a casino, fill out the piece of paper, the application for an account, and then physically deposit cash to open an account. And then when you want to withdraw any funds from that account, you have to physically go down to the casino and pull out cash. Now, they do have a couple of different um, funding options now, including you can like go to 7-Elevens and use this like, Pay Near Me system. It's pretty limited. You can only do $500 at a time. But that's how it is in Nevada. And there's a lot of states still that, while debit cards are being used now, in some states, in a lot of states, it's cash or debit card. The idea of using like your Venmo that you pay your buddies or the PayPal that you use for Amazon and eBay, and you can't do any of that anywhere yet. And then trying to get money out is, is really problematic. Uh, I think it's one of the most problematic things in the industry still. Yet, despite the fact that it's hard to get money in, you're in most cases, you're putting in cash. It's hard to get money out. We're talking about an industry that's going to do, what, $50 billion worth of handle this year. And we're not making it easy for people to do it wait until technology, technology, along with regulation, you know, comes together and makes that part of the business, you know, easy. It's very, very easy to see how the United States regulated sports betting marketplace turns into a three to $500 billion handle industry a year. Well, absolutely. And we completely
1: agree with you at 76 Capital with those kinds of numbers. And, you know, the fact that, you know, fortunately, you know, I guess for us in, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, you can use your traditional credit card to fund your account and, and start it up pretty quickly. But again, it's, it's a state by state situation. I mean, during the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, Chicago and, and Illinois allowed you to uh, fund your account off your app, but now I think it's back where you have to go yes. back in person, and you know. So it's, 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 it's really interesting, and and I think it's it's sort of there's this this push and pull, you know, between the, the uh, some of the land based casinos and some of the the internet gaming players, and so how that all plays out over time, I think as we all know, we probably all know how it's going to go. Um, but it's going to take time, and, and some of the you know incumbent, incumbent players are you know they they like what they do today, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so you know, Matt, as as, as we as you start to you know get into some of the things that you are seeing as sort of the next next thing, and I interrupted you, you know, kind of a, a little bit on the as as you were sort of talking about kind of the, the progression of of how things have have changed. You know, you, you were, where where are things today, and as compared as compared to where you thought they were going to be?
0: Oh, they're way ahead of everywhere, anywhere I ever thought they would be. Yeah, you know, I was a an optimist. You know, a lot of pessimists thought it would be much slower than I was saying, and I said, hey, in the first three years, I think we could get to. 15 to 20 states legalized, at least 12 open. We're at 26 taking bets, 32 with past legislation. Canada finally got single event wagering passed, and they're going to completely roll out in the next 12 months. And not just in terms of states. I mean, the state pace is far exceeded expectations. The handle within those states, the participation numbers of, okay, your state went live. How What percentage of your population is actually wagering on sports and what is the handle derived from that? In each and every state that is, well, I guess a couple of the lottery states, I shouldn't say of it, far exceeded. But in all the non-lottery states, it is so far exceeded any expectations anybody had. It's been amazing. The participation numbers are amazing. Um, And these are even in states like Mississippi, Washington, where you have to go to a property still to make a bet. Yes, there are still several states that have launched sports betting post passport repeal where you have to go to the property still to make a wager in person using cash. And while that may seem archaic at this point, that's what, you know, that's what they wanted to do to drive traffic to specific properties that offer a lot of jobs within those regions and they're still doing big, huge numbers. And eventually, technology combined with the right regulation. So at the end of the day, if if you're in a state where you say, hey, I can't use my credit card, they won't let me bet mobile, How do I get them to do it? Who do I complain to? Go to your operators. Tell them to invest in technology and regulation and compliance. The more money they put, the more time and effort the operators put into building out platforms and and participating with platforms that encourage integrity, responsible gambling, all the right compliance services, the easier it is then to turn around in regulators and say, see how safe this is to do? Look all the safeguards we built in with these platforms and then be able to enhance the user experience by better payment processing, a better user experience. Even the the ability to and how you sign up for an account is difficult in some places. The idea of having to go fill out a piece of paper. Why can't I do that online in five seconds? Um, You know, those experiences as technology merges with compliance and, and reg tech those will get better and it's easier to settle the legislators and then the user experience gets better. I mean, there's a lot of people right now that don't participate just because they can't do it all on their phone and they're so used to doing everything on their phone, including funding, including withdrawals. When that happens, I mean, this industry, which already exploded, is just going to look like, yeah, it's like a megacosm and the, hit the universe, right?
1: Well, you know, I I, a lot of times, Matt, I'll I'll share, you know, unfortunately, because of you and guys like Brian and Musburger and others have introduced me to guys. And and I always use their first names. Jimmy, Chrissy, Vinny, Johnny, (laughs) Jay. Right. And, And it's 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 it's. Jimmy Vaccaro and and Johnny Avello and Vinnie Maula and Chris Andrews and Jay Cornegay. I mean, these, some of these guys are the legends of the sports betting industry. Um, And I I'm sure I'm leaving off others. Right. Um, But at the same time, you know, they have been so great in, in the midst of this complete transformation of their industry. They, you know, they could have said, hey, this is just the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. But all of these individuals who have been so instrumental in building this industry over decades are now such active participants in the future of the industry. It's fascinating to see. And that's one of the things that I think has been very helpful to the industry. What are your thoughts around that?
0: I think that experience has been so important and critical to the success of why we're, we're seeing 32 States and, you know, 26 taking bets right now. And uh, and to your point, look, those guys all got a bad rap. You know, the industry said, Hey, the, the, as soon as PASPA gets repealed, the industry is going to pass all those guys by. Well, you know, Johnny Avello runs DraftKings, and they are putting out the largest menu, the newest stuff. I mean, these guys, to your point, have completely embraced that they had ideas, they had thoughts on all this amazing stuff they could do for 30 years, but they were stuck kind of stuck in the, you know, the, the confines and restraints of this small Nevada uh, market. And now that those handcuffs have been taken off, we're seeing guys that have real experience, real understanding of how it works, given the paintbrush and an empty canvas and saying, paint me everything you thought this thing should be. And they're being able to show their creativity. And these are some amazing guys and, you know, Jay Rude and Robert Walker too. And there's so many of them. And I'm so happy to, to be a part of that community and get to work with all those guys all the time. And I think they've really proven everybody wrong who said the industry would pass them by. These guys are the guys that are actually the catalysts and the engines right now that are driving this industry forward. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's really been amazing. Every time, you know, you,
1: you, a Jimmy Vaccarello, you know, tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, kid, this thing's going to be bigger than anyone could even imagine." They have no idea, right? I mean, yeah. and, and he's been right. He's been right from day one.
0: Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, I think I don't think people realized how many people participated in sports betting in some way. Whether it's fantasy sports, whether it's office pools, whether it's betting with your friends, we live in a country where people always have been attracted to and gravitate towards sports and want that some type of uh, you know engagement with it, uh, whether it's uh, $5, to whatever it is. And the numbers are just unbelievable. And every state, state after state after state, the participation and the handle numbers far exceed expectations. Well Matt we can go
1: on for hours talking and and I and I love you know everything that you've shared I mean as president and and CEO of US integrity the things that you're doing for this industry and making sure that everything's on the up and up is so important uh, but before we before we close I have to ask you about some of the M&A activity that's happening in the industry I mean just this week there's news of DraftKings going to acquire Entain the the deal where uh, the score um, gets acquired by Penn national deals like you know vison being acquired by draftkings and victory being acquired by Fubo TV and 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 the the deal action network does and the deal you know of course you know we talk about Barstool and 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 their deal I mean all these deals have been done and, and Caesars now is gonna spend a billion dollars in the industry and and I can go on with Shaq and win. I mean like it's incredible that's 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 happening right now. You know, where, what are your thoughts on
0: all the different moving pieces that are happening right now? Just amazing, and again, it goes to show how immature the market is still. Because you know, everyone's trying to build these one solution, one-stop solution, uh, grand services where we have all the you know media companies to drive traffic and all these ways we funnel traffic into the product. Then we invest billions of dollars into the product to make sure that once we drive people here, they have the best experience possible, and that they're doing so in a responsible way. And then we have to drive advertising and other revenue streams through it. And it's absolutely unbelievable, the MA that is taking place in this industry right now. And I don't think we're going to cool off any time in the next three years. I mean, Texas and California haven't even gone yet. There's still so much untapped opportunity in the U.S., and everybody's trying to position themselves for what they think this thing's going to be on the other side. And at the end of the day, I think what's also spurring the m is what we've talked about several times on this segment is every single state is exceeding expectations. And when you start to see those numbers, you go, you know what? All those pessimists who said this thing is, isn't going to be as big as anyone saying, and they were wrong they were wrong and this thing is bigger than anybody thought even to the most you know optimistic optimists this thing has been bigger it's moved faster it's been bigger and it's had more engagement than anybody could have thought it would so if you're an investor right now that makes you think wow Look, all the guys that told me I should wait on sports betting, they were wrong. Now, how do I position myself to be the most successful in it? And we're seeing a mad scramble in the M&A world, and it's absolutely amazing, some of the deals that are taking place. Well, we completely
1: agree. Uh, It's been amazing having Matthew Holt, the CEO. of of us integrity on our show matt thank you so much again make sure that everyone follows you uh at matt holt um he's a great follow he's someone who really knows the ufc world so keep an eye on that so remember if you're an entrepreneur you're an athlete you're a student you're a business person, you want to work or start a company in the sports world, whether it's in sports betting, whether it's in esports, whether that's in sports tech or in the sports media industry, reach out to us at 76 Capital. We would love to connect with you. Once again, I'm Wayne Kimmel, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Matt, again, thank you so much for joining.
0: Thank you, Wayne. It's always an honor. Thanks, everyone. All right, everybody, you know what you got to do. You got to get out
1: there and just go make it happen. Have a great day. U.S. Integrity partners with a number of the largest professional sports leagues, such as the NBA and collegiate conferences in the United States, including the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the SEC. U.S. Integrity has licensed sports betting operators as valued partners, such as BetMGM, BetFred, and Caesars. U.S. Integrity is based in Las Vegas and New York. For additional information, please visit usintegrity.com or reach out to Scott.saden at usintegrity.com.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series with Wayne Kimmel speaking to the President and CEO of U.S. Integrity, Matthew Holt. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're looking forward to welcoming you again next week.